Amen. Thank you, guys, for leading us in that time. Um, and speaking of time, it's time for that new group for year 9 to 11. Is that right, Isaac? To be heading out up to your program. So if that's you guys, have a blast at that new program of Dig Deeper. That will be wonderful. Look forward to seeing you guys again a little bit later. Okay, well, good morning. How are you? That is fantastic. Uh, if I haven't met you, my name's Luke. I'm one of the, the staff team here. Um, special welcome again uh, added to Libby's before for those of you online. Um, I'm just going to try and get this PowerPoint working for me. You boys, I tell you, you need to give me some more training. I'm not real good at this. Can we just um, show our appreciation for these guys up the back? No, I'm going to leave that. One of you guys are going to have to do the bolt down and actually get me sorted out because I'm so technically challenged with this. Is that all right? They're, none of them want to move. <laughs> They're worried their head might get on camera. They love hiding at the back. and just. But anyway, um, so I, I want, first of all, just to give a little bit of a recap um, before we kick off today because we're starting a new series but uh, it was great last week wasn't it to hear from Kay Hodge uh, if you missed that Kay uh, is a young lady who's married to a guy called John they have been doing incredible work over in uh, Nigeria they're based in the UK at the moment but the the connection to home here is that Kay is AJ and Fee's eldest daughter uh, so AJ and Fee, they've been having a wonderful time over the last couple of months uh, having those guys around. You guys really aren't coming down, are you? <laughs> uh, um, I'd dock your pay if you got paid for this job, guys. <laughs> Look, I'll even sit it down here, Andrew, so you don't have to come on camera. Thanks, mate. Now you can give Andrew a clap and draw attention to him. <laughs> I'm actually thinking he even wrote me out instructions, but anyway... Um, so yeah, it was really great to hear an update from Kay's work. Uh, if you missed that, I encourage you to go back and watch that. Uh, but also a quick update that um, AJ and Fee, uh, they're actually on holidays at the moment. Thank you so much, mate. I really appreciate it. Uh, AJ and Fee just started on holidays in the last couple of days. And so they're, um, they're having a well-earned break, actually, because they've been playing a serious grandparenting role for the last couple of months while Kay was busy um, visiting other churches. Uh, it's also going to be really great to have DJ and Lou and their girls back. I think they're actually watching uh, online this morning from home, but they've just been away the last couple of weeks. So it's going to be great to have DJ back. Um, but if you missed it at all, DJ led us uh, really throughout the start of this year through a series called A God You Can Believe In. And uh, throughout this series, it was a really helpful um, laying of a foundation, really, of right thinking when it comes to God, who God is, what he's like, um, and really this is taking us on this journey of developing right thinking. But from there, and where we want to go from uh, today and leading over this coming month, is moving on from right thinking to a place of considering right practice or right living in regards to our faith. And so building on the foundation that DJ set for us. Now, I don't know whether you've noticed at all or whether you've read anything about this idea that in our world today, or so it would seem, uh, we could do with some help when it comes to right living. 
It seems to be that over the last couple of years, uh, we have been stretched, maybe we've been stressed, uh, and we've been challenged to the point that anything but right living seems to be coming out of certain people. I don't know if you've heard this statement before or said this statement yourself, but this simple thing of going, what's wrong with people? Have you said that before? If you haven't, you should try it. It's actually, it, it feels good. It's incredibly like arrogant and self-righteous to look at somebody else's actions and just go, what's wrong with people? Like, you are so not on my level. I've been hearing that a lot lately with my son, uh, who's on crutches at the moment. He's been gaming. Um, and when he like, defeats somebody else in this game, he goes, get on my level. Uh, so it's a, it's a little bit like that. I'm so glad you young guys are laughing at this because this is like right in your world, isn't it? When you make this statement, what's wrong with people? It's like, get on my level, you silly person. Um, I, I remember thinking this many years ago. I was down at a Hillsong conference, of, of all places. Uh, now, this was, I loved these times of going down there, but the thing that blew me away, the thing that caused me to go, what's wrong with people, was before you'd step in um, to this huge gathering of Christians, like 20,000 people going in to worship God, seeing their behaviour, trying to get in, made me go, what is wrong with people? The pushing, the shoving, the, the cutting lines and moving to the front just so they could race in, get the best seat in order to be there and worship Jesus. It just seemed just whacked out and something that caused you to go, what's wrong with people? Well, there was an article I read in the last couple of weeks from a guy called Dr. James Emery White. Uh, I read a fair bit of his stuff. Uh, he He's a pastor in the States, but also he, he writes a blog called Church and Culture. And his article recently was actually called What's Wrong With People? And he said um, a few of these things. I'll just read out some of this article. And he was just really discussing some of the increasingly bad behaviour at play in his country over recent times. He said this, Cars driven ridiculously fast and darting between other cars like stunts on a movie set. Road rage erupting in gunfire. Behaviour on airplanes akin to an MMA match. School board meetings requiring police presence. Social media trolling that has no bottom. Nurses having to be outfitted with panic buttons. A murder rate that rose by nearly a third in 2020, the highest increase ever recorded that rose again in 2021. He says, what is wrong with people? Now, if you find yourself, he goes on, asking this question, you're not alone. Something really has changed with the way a lot of people are reacting. It's as if the events of the last couple of years somehow, some way, gave us permission to rush to our basis instincts and interact with others in ways we never would have imagined. It seems to be true, doesn't it? So I don't know whether you've noticed this, but around the world, this has been a trend. I even read some feedback, some reports coming from different school institutions where they're saying similar things, that the behaviours they're seeing uh, from kids, it's, it's a new level of kind of bad behaviour. Um, my wife, Monique, she's been saying a similar thing, and it, it would appear that the last couple of years have stretched us, or maybe stressed us to a point, squeezed us to a point that stuff is coming out of us that isn't so pretty. There was another article um, from a US media outlet called The Atlantic, uh, and it was titled this, Why People Are Acting So Weird. And in this, it says, everyone is acting so weird. The most obvious recent weirdness, if it just wants to get even more crazy, was this. What on earth? 
if this isn't an example of people just like just losing their mind and just not thinking at all uh, this is something that is going on in our world at the moment well you'll be pleased to know that throughout this series we're going to be focusing on four different passages from the new testament that actually take us through a journey and and give us some teaching on what the bible talks about in regards to right living or living well now straight away if you're thinking at this point you know some people who need to be here to hear this might i suggest it's probably best that you are the one who doesn't miss a week yourself now the bible uses really great and clear language when it comes to living out our faith by repeating this instruction to clothe ourselves or to put on certain things okay this really clear and practical language Today, we're going to be looking through a passage uh, in Romans 13 uh, shortly. And uh, this is on clothing yourself with Christ. Uh, Week two, the next week, Isaac's going to be leading us through Colossians 3, which is clothing yourself with love. We're not doing the whole chapter, by the way. Um, Week three is going to be from Ephesians 4, which is talking about clothing yourself with right living. So it's very, very practical. It sets out some really clear things. Here's some um, lifestyles or things you can do that is not good. Uh, but here's what right living looks like. And then finally, we're going to be talking about clothing yourself with God's armour. And the whole premise of that is allowing us to make sure that we can continue in right living because we have a very real enemy that wants to do all he can to stop us from living right, from, to stop us from living well. So that's where we're going throughout this series. In a way, we could call this the divine dress code. Now, I, we didn't have a title for this series and I chose not to put up any plug or a promo for this series because I thought, that is not going to fly for a lot of people. <laughs> They're going to see that and go, I'm tapping out. I'm not coming to anything that's called the divine dress code. Uh, except for what Libby talked about before. That was great uh, in the dress up coming up and that it's for adults. Dan, thanks so much for that suggestion that we could even come as Adam. <laughs> I wouldn't suggest that to be a good thing. It's a divine dress code, Dan. Now, how we dress, and I want you to think about this in practical terms, how we dress or present ourselves is so important because it says so much to the people we interact with, the people around us. It says so much not just about us, but also about who we represent also. When you think about things like your your work attire, okay, it's important that you represent... um, that business well or your workplace well uh, you think about driving a company car you've got responsibilities if you're driving a company car with signage on it you're representing the company uh, i've heard this a lot in regards to school uniforms uh, alice i used to hear this quite a lot at st phillips how important it was even when kids are walking to or walking home from school because they're they're wearing their school uniform they're representing not just themselves but also a school uh, Sporting clubs, it's the same. I was actually going to wear my Knights jersey today, but I threw it in the bin last week because the Knights are hopeless. And today they're playing the Storm, and I think I'm just going to go out and buy a Storm jersey so I can go to the game today and cheer for a winning team. I don't have any issues with that, though. It's been about five years of misery. Now, it is common for us to consider who it is 
we are representing in regards to the way we go about our life and the different um, messages that we are giving out, not, not so much through our clothing, but through our actions. Now, I don't want you to get concerned or freak out about me suggesting that we start wearing a New Vine uniform to represent this fantastic church, although that might be a wonderful idea. Um, we are obviously not talking about actual clothing, uh, as if there's such a thing as Christian clothing, right? Did you know that there is? There is such a thing. I found it this week. And not just a thing, one line of Christian clothing. There are many lines of Christian clothing. I had no idea. So anyway, just a little bit of comic relief because I get to preach today and it's, it's been a little while, so let's just have some fun with this. I thought I'd, I'd throw some up there so you can uh, consider what your next purchase is going to be. Or maybe you can buy it for somebody else. How do you like this one? Catch up with Jesus. Bless from my head, tomatoes. It's so clever, isn't it? How clever are people, these Christian clothing labels? Um, this one here, you may have seen this one before. Need an ark? I know a guy. Alex Johns, I thought of you when I saw this one. I put the start in Bible study. Ash, I thought of you when I saw this one. Any Friends fans in here? Love the show, Friends? Yeah, that, this one could be for you. Then, DJ, I hope you're watching, because I actually found one just for DJ. Uh, if, you, if you're not aware and you're visiting today, DJ's our lead pastor, and he's just been through uh, a marathon of preaching. And look at this one for DJ, the Sermonator. <laughs> and what's even better, DJ could wear this and then say, I'll be back <laughs> next Sunday. So anyway, I think I'm going to order that one for you, DJ. Okay, what I want to do is actually, for a moment, quickly loop back to where um, DJ spent a bit of time in a certain passage in Philippians when he was trying to teach us about a God that we can believe in. Because so often people get a misunderstanding of who God is and what God is like, and, and rightfully so. As a result, they go, I don't want to follow that God. I don't want to believe in that God. Uh, but when we get a correct understanding of who God is and what God is like, we find, we discover a God that we can believe in. And what we find in this passage in Philippians, um, and it describes really how Jesus, though divine, he humbled himself. Uh, I'm not going to read it out, but you can see parts of it there. He humbled himself, taking on human form. He lived, he loved, he served, he died, and he rose again. And in doing so, he represented the Father to us. He showed us what God is like. Through Jesus, we are able to see um, exactly the picture, exactly what God is like, a God that we can believe in. Now, furthermore, Jesus then ascended to the Father and the Holy Spirit was sent to us to equip us, to empower us and to send us also to represent this God throughout all the world. We could put it this way here. Jesus, although divine, which is this, what this passage was talking about, Jesus, although divine, he clothed himself with humanity, representing God to the world. And now because he has done that, Here's what happens. Now we, although human, can clothe ourselves with divinity 
as we continue representing God to the world. What an incredible exchange that has taken place here. Jesus, though divine, clothed himself with humanity so that now we, although human, get to clothe ourselves with divinity as we go about representing God to the world. The Apostle Paul, he described it this way uh, in 2 Corinthians 5, it's found, where he just simply says, we are Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal to the world through us. This is a high calling. We belong uh, to the God of all the universe. We are representing him. It again reinforces how important it is to have a good, clear and true understanding of who God is and what he is like so that we can rightly represent this God that you can believe in to the world around us. So I want to jump in um, to this passage from Romans. I encourage you to open it up if you've got your Bibles or your phones, you want to flick that open. I'll put it on the screen as well. If you don't have a Bible here, that's totally fine. Um, But if you want to open that up, Romans 13 and verses 8 to 14. And I'm just going to... I read, I'm reading this from the New Living Translation. And it starts in, I had to go back a little bit further because halfway down uh, it says this is all the more urgent and you've got to find out what this is. So this part, this is the this, what it's talking about. It says, owe nothing to anyone. Who knows what it feels like to owe things to somebody? It's not nice, is it? <laughs> it's so lovely. Actually, I've got no idea what it's like to be debt free. Who am I kidding? I imagine it would be so nice to be debt-free. And this is really coming out of a passage where the Apostle Paul, he's just given instructions to the church in Rome and the Christians there, uh, saying you need to submit to the local authorities, although they would have been really hard to follow and submit to. He's saying, no, I want you to submit to them. They are are God's given rulers uh, of your society and in particular says you know if you owe taxes pay taxes yes they might be ripping you off but you 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 need to do what they say and so he's carrying on that kind of theme there he says now owe nothing to anyone except for your obligation to love one another isn't that a powerful concept that we are indebted to those around us to show love to them. It says if you love your neighbor you will fulfill the requirements of God's law for the commandments say You must not commit adultery, you must not murder, you must not steal, you must not covet. Uh, These and other such commandments are summed up in this one commandment. Love your neighbour as yourself. Love does no wrong to others, so love fulfills the requirements of God's laws. Uh, This really is just giving a picture that uh, all the, the right living that's associated with the Christian life, with belonging to God's kingdom, it's summed up in that one command, to love your neighbour as yourself. It covers all of the others. And so then Paul goes on with the next part of this. And he says, This is all the more urgent, for you know how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up, for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. I just want to quickly explain parts of this here. So when he says this is all the more urgent, you know how late it is, time is running out, wake up for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Uh, Paul's really talking about there, not that we aren't saved, uh, because those who have put their hope and their trust and their faith in Jesus have salvation 
in Jesus. But it's talking about this, this time, this age that we're living in, where Jesus has begun his kingdom, but it's not yet here in its fullness. So we are still looking forward to the age to come, where Jesus will come again, and God's going to make a new heaven and a new earth. But for now, we're living in this time, this uh, good way to think about it, is, it, is the dawn. Okay, so the, the night, it's almost over. The day is almost here, but the sun hasn't come yet again. And so we're living in this time that, that we, we have light. Okay, we are still living in the light, but it's not fully light. You know that, that beautiful picture of, of dawn? Dave, I appreciate your morning pictures of dawn so often over nobbies. Um, so I want you to grab this image here of what Paul is talking about. So he's saying, wake up, don't live in the night. So he says, the night is almost gone, the day of salvation will soon be here. So remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on the shining armour of right living. Here's this really practical language that Paul goes into. Because we belong to the day, we must live decent lives for all to see. Don't participate in the darkness of wild parties and drunkenness or in sexual promiscuity or immoral living or in quarrelling and jealousy. It says, instead, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ and don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. I love the way that wraps that up. Don't let yourself think about the night, the deeds of darkness, the, the sinful um, pleasures of the flesh. And when it says don't let yourself think about it, that's where it starts. Because we know whatever gets your attention gets you. So don't let yourself, don't let it start here because this is where it leads to further action. So stop it at the source and keep your minds on Christ, clothing yourself with his presence. Now, I, you know, before we head into the rest of this series, I can't stress enough how important it is to understand the liberating truth that Jesus not only died for us, but that he now also lives with us and in us. I can't stress this enough because before we even think about trying to live out right living and living up to the standards of the kingdom of God, we have to know that Jesus lives with us and Jesus lives in us. Because if we don't get that, then we have no chance of living this out. Now, if you're here today and you're not sure how this whole Christianity thing works, uh, firstly, a huge welcome to you. I'm so glad that you are here. I'm so glad that you're on a journey of maybe trying to ask deeper questions or trying to figure things out. But if you're not still sure how this whole Christianity thing works, or possibly you're not even sure whether it works altogether, I have some good news for you. But I want to clarify first that Christianity, it is not simply a self-help system. It's not a self-help system. This is what sets Christianity apart from other religions. You see, for other religions, they usually have a set of rules or values or examples uh, for people to follow or copy. 
But the problem is that it is entirely up to you to try to implement these standards or these values or these rules or these lofty examples on your own and in your own strength. Now, yes, it's also true that Christianity contains guidelines and values, etc. But the difference here is that God knows we can never attain these things on our own. We can't do these things in our own strength. We fail. We mess up. We lose our cool at times and walk up on stages and slap people. We are broken. We are messed up. We are human. How can we ever live up to a divine standard? Well, simple truth is, in our own strength, we can't. But thankfully, through Jesus, God provides the way. He also provides the capacity and even the desire to live out the Christian life, to do the things that he has called us to do, to live in a way that represents him well. Uh, I love the way, I'm just going to look at a couple of short passages here that describe how this has taken place. And from Philippians uh, 2, now this is going straight off the back of the passage that DJ preached through in that series, talking about what Christ did, how he came and put on uh, his humanity and humbled himself and therefore got elevated to the highest place. And then straight after that says, Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you, and now that I'm away, it's even more important. And it says here, work hard to show the results of your salvation. Now please get that right. The order of that and the understanding of that. It does not say work hard to earn your salvation. This is so crucial for us to get a hold of. It says work hard to show the results of your salvation. It's the evidence that you already are saved. We do this obeying God with deep reverence and fear. And then verse 13, get this, it says, For God is working in you. God is giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. To allow you to live out um, a life that represents him well. A similar passage that talks about this, 2 Peter 1. It says, by his divine power, that divine power that is ours now, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We can't do this on our own, but God provides the way. Amen. Everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature. Though human, we get to clothe ourselves in divinity. Share in his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. Uh, There's a a wonderful book that I uh, I would encourage everyone to read. It's by an Aussie guy, a pastor called Ken Legg. Uh, He's written a few different resources, but one of them is called This Is The Life. Uh, Write it down if you want. And I'm just going to show you a little excerpt uh, from this book. And it really is talking about this liberating truth of God being the one who works in us and through us. You know, giving us... Uh, the power, equipping us to be the people he wants us to be. And uh, if you got that there, it says, Grace is what makes Christianity unique. If we don't make the grace connection, we will end up with just another religion. Religion is what we try to do for God. Grace is what God has done 
for us and in do and is doing in us sorry through his son jesus christ grace people do not experience fewer trials than others do but they are equipped to handle those trials through divine resources and then it goes on to say but grace is more than god's ability to hold us up in the midst of hard times it is the manifestation of christ's life through us the key to understanding the christian walk is to know that it does not consist of us trying to live our lives for Jesus, but of him living his life through us. We have to get this right, have to let this sink in to our thinking. When Jesus was on earth, he said to his disciples, follow me. But just before he left them to return to heaven, he said, abide in me. Those who follow Jesus have his example, but those who abide in him have his life. Can you see the liberating truth that that brings? When you have this concept that you're just trying to follow an example, it still leaves it up to you to try and live it out. But when we realize that we can abide, when we can clothe ourselves with the very presence of the Lord Jesus, we get his life and all that entails, his power, uh, his desire for godly living. He fully equips us. I love um, a statement that Andy Stanley, another pastor in the States, he has made. And he describes how Jesus not only makes our lives better, but he makes us better at life. Have you discovered that to be true for you? He not only makes our lives better, but he makes us better at life. Now, I love this statement and I truly believe this statement. But I want to explain quickly, um, firstly, what it means for Jesus to make our lives better. Because that is open to interpretation, isn't it? Now, let me give you an example. Um, if life being made better for you is becoming wealthy, for example, which I'm sure, you know, we're not going to say no if it happens. And I'm not saying it's not going to happen. But let's just say that uh, your example of life getting better for you is becoming wealthy. Well, Jesus might not be your first preference in the upcoming election. That wouldn't be a good idea for you. However, if you do choose Jesus, if you clothe yourself with his presence, what he will do is lead you away from the love of money. Because Jesus knows that the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And he also knows that many people who have been flat out trying to get rich, they fall into temptation, they fall into a trap, and they end up piercing themselves with many griefs. And Jesus cares too much about us. He loves us too much to let us walk down that path. Uh, so this is just one example of many of the ways that Jesus uh, not only makes our life better, but makes us better at life. What he will do, for example, is he'll make you better at life by leading you towards a life of others-focused generosity, where you learn that it, there is far more blessing in giving than receiving so does jesus give us whatever we want thankfully no he doesn't but does jesus make our lives better and make us better at life absolutely and if you're here today and you're someone that knows that there's been stuff that's coming out of you you've been squeezed you've been stretched you've been pressed and there are things within you that you're like i need help 
I don't like what I'm seeing in me. Uh, and if I don't like what I'm seeing in me, uh, there's a high chance that everybody else around me doesn't like it either. There is good news for you. Because Jesus wants to make your life better and he wants to make you better at life. And he doesn't just say, here's the guidelines, all the best. He says, I will be with you. I will equip you. I will walk every step with you if you remain open to me. If you let my life flow through you. This is such transforming news for us. You know, in the coming weeks, we're going to get far more practical. Uh, Isaac, you're going to get far more practical. Where is Isaac here? Is he upstairs? Jonah, I thought you were Isaac there for a minute, little brother. That's going to get far more practical in regards to what right living actually looks like in the day-to-day, which is going to be super helpful. But we can't just do that. We can't just say, okay, here's what it practically looks like, right living, just make sure you do all these things. Because again, we just fall into religion and we just try and tick off a list of all the stuff we're meant to do and we fail, we mess up and we feel terrible about ourselves. We need to get this right first abiding in Christ, clothing ourselves with him so that we are better equipped to live out um, the life that God has called us to. We have divine resources at our disposal to help and equip us for the journey. And there's one other thing that I just want to quickly mention and I want us to quickly understand as we continue throughout this series. And this is this simple idea or this simple truth that different people express the same Jesus in different ways. And let me say that again. Different people express the same Jesus in different ways. There is no Christian cookie-cutter clothing or uniform where we all look the same, think the same, speak the same, act the same. We are all different and just like no people on planet earth look exactly the same no two people are going to behave or internally be exactly the same and what that means is as Jesus comes and makes his home in our hearts and finds expression through us it's going to look a little different person to person and what that also means is we need to learn to cut each other a bit of slack Because people are going to do things, um, living out their expression of Christ, living out their Christian faith, that doesn't quite align with your expression of it. And it doesn't necessarily mean that one is wrong and the other is right. It's just different. Now, if I can get you to do some homework this week, um, yes, absolutely, reread through Romans 13. That would be great. But what I'd love you to do is continue reading into um, chapter 14 of Romans, possibly even into a little bit of chapter 15, because this, uh, this passage where it's talking about you know, clothing ourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ, it carries on and it starts addressing some really um, crucial things for the church, for believers, uh, in order that we can continue to get along and m- model and represent God well to the world. And let's be honest, the church hasn't always done the best job of representing God to the world. Uh, there are things that, are hap- that happen within the church that, you know, you, you go, what's wrong with people? That statement comes back again, doesn't it? You just go, how did you think that was a good idea? Um, and throughout chapter 14 in Romans, it really goes on to talk about a few what they call disputable matters. 
So matters that sort of, yeah, it's neither here nor there. You know, some people, they think they should eat certain foods. Other people think, ah, oh, no, I don't think we should eat those foods. And the Apostle Paul is trying to give them instruction. Look, don't get, don't get wound up about this. The important thing is whatever you're doing in regards to this issue, let it be done in faith. Some other examples, it says, you know, some people hold a certain day as more important than others. Don't let that become a defining factor that splits you guys apart. It's a disputable matter. Whatever you do, just let it be done in faith. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't indisputable matters when it comes to right living. Uh, and we're going to unpack some of those in the coming weeks. So don't freak out that I'm just giving license to, oh yeah, do whatever you want and just say you're doing it in faith and it's, it's all good. Um, I'm not encouraging anyone to walk up on a stage and slap somebody who, you know, does something silly. We know things like that, it's black and white, it's really easy to see, that is not representing God well. But there are disputable matters. And as we go throughout this series, there might be things in you that sort of flare up and you go, oh, I don't know, like I, I kind of feel like I want to be a little bit judgmental because I reckon what that person's doing over there, I, I, I don't agree with that. Um, let's learn to show each other a bit of grace and forgiveness and understanding and recognising that we're all a little bit different. Um, and let's be honest, we're living in a time where it's chaotic, isn't it? There is division everywhere. There are different opinions about all kinds of things that so easily uh, make a mountain out of a molehill. Within the church, I think we have a call to keep unity as a key priority. And sometimes that means showing each other some grace and forgiveness and kindness and not looking down on each other, not saying what I've said before and you know, in, in what's wrong with people. That's not actually that helpful to make a statement like that or even to think like that. I have seen, um, you know, in my Libby, who was so kind before, saying how old I am to not be the benchmark for young adults anymore. Uh, but I've been around long enough now that as I get older, I, th I think I'm starting to chill out a little bit more in regards to being judgmental. I used to be far more opinionated when it came to people expressing Jesus in different ways. Uh, and I'd hear it from other people as well. Even if you think about things like um, uh, different expressions of church, for example. I used to look at other expressions of church and go, man, I would never go to that church. Are they even reading their Bibles? Like, seriously, how can you think that's an important thing? How do you build a church culture around that? But now, I mean, here I am, I'm part of a church that's part of a network of churches where none of the churches look anything like the other. We all have these crazy different expressions of church. Which one is right? Do we point the finger and say, oh, well, they're obviously doing it wrong because they're not doing it the same as us? No. We go, there are different people. It's the same Jesus, but Jesus is going to be expressed in different ways. The same thing happens with churches. I've heard people who are so passionate about uh, getting their children into public schooling so they can be a light in the darkness. Uh, and I've also heard people who are so passionate about Christian schooling education. Uh, and I'm like... They both seem to be following God. Uh, which God is right? I've come to a place where I'm learning to chill out a little bit about that and recognise maybe they're both right. Maybe they're both living by faith. 
And they're following what God has led them to. And I want us to um, just have this understanding as we go through this series. And this is obviously going to turn into things, you know, where it's living in a time where there's huge division, uh, particularly leading up to an election. Uh, we're still dealing with things in regards to masks and vaccines. We need to show grace and kindness to each other in this journey. Now, there are a lot of people, people in this church that means people will speak, dress, think, act, vote differently. That's okay. But where there are these disputable matters, don't get bent out of shape. Um, for now, though, I want to leave you with these questions. And um, I'm going to get the musos to come back up. You guys might need to give Isaac a call back down. I want to leave you with a couple of questions. And I want this to become uh, just personal for you, for you to think about your own response, not to worry about judging others and whether other people are living out the right expression of Christ but to bring it home to yourself. And if you are someone who has identified as a Christian, you're someone who is called to represent a God that you can believe in, then I want you to think about these two questions. What messages are you sending to the people around you by the way that you live? Just pause and consider that in your life at the moment as you represent a God you can believe in. What messages are you sending to the people around you by the way you live? Not necessarily the way you dress, but the way you live. And the next one, what can you do each day to clothe yourself with the presence of Jesus? Because unless we get this right, we haven't got a chance of living life right. However this needs to work for you, uh, each day this week, how is it that you're going to be reminded to clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus? Possibly one thing you could do is on your wardrobe, maybe just stick a post-it note that just reminds you as you're getting dressed each day, clothe yourself with Christ. Represent him to the world before anything else, before you think about anything else, draw on his strength, his power, his goodness, his kindness, his love, because he wants to equip you and empower you and send you to represent him to a world who we've learnt so desperately needs him at the moment. Now look, and finally, um, if you're someone here today and you have never identified as a Christian, but you possibly like the idea of Jesus um, not only making your life better, but making you better at life you know that you need his help uh, i'm just going to lead us in a simple prayer now and i encourage you as i pray to make this prayer your own a simple prayer that's inviting jesus to come and make his home in our lives to lead us to guide us to equip us to transform us to help us be the people uh, not only that we want to be that but that he wants us to be so would you please stand with me I'm just going to pray this simple prayer. And then the team are going to lead us in this final song that, again, this song is inviting God, His power, His Spirit to come, uh, to fill us afresh, to lead us, to equip us, to help us to be aware of His very presence that is always with us moment by moment.
Well, Lord, I want to particularly pause at the moment. And recognize that for some of us here, we know that we need you, possibly more than ever before, but possibly for the first time. To call out and recognize I need help. The life I'm living, the way I'm living is not working. Jesus, I need you to come and make my life better. And I need you to make me better at life for the benefit of those around me. So would you come by your spirit and would you fill us? Would you equip us and empower us, transform us, enabling us to represent you to those around us? Thank you that you don't leave us alone. Thank you that this is not about a legalistic religion, but a moment-by-moment relationship with you where we can be continually clothed with Christ. We pray these things in your wonderful name. Amen.